0: Radio Drome. It's another episode of Radio Drome. Brad's not here, so all of you haters can just turn it off right away. But before you do that, go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, and you get 50% off of a single item. Three free DVDs, a free mystery gift, and free shipping in the United States, all for using the promo code DROME for all your sex toy needs at adamandeve.com. We're going to have a special episode tonight, and I do mean that, well, we, we got Marquis Dissuade Alex here, as always, and we have a very special guest. We have got an actual British person in England, Glenn Criddle, is actually here at four in the morning for you, right, Glenn? It's definitely very four o'clock in the morning for me. Tonight's topic is going to be the video nasties, and I say nasty because that's the way I always hear it from you guys in documentaries, so... <laughs> Our audience may not be familiar with the video nasties. Can you give us a quick rundown? We'll go into more detail later, Glenn. What the video nasties were?
1: Yeah, the video nasties were basically video horrors. Um, at the early end of the eighties, the late end of the nineteen seventies, there's a whole bunch of video cassettes which came out, and at the time, horror was the biggest seller. It was. Um, it was the thing that actually moved all the videos off the shelves and stuff like that. Because the competition was so fierce, so many small companies, they were buying up a whole bunch of very obscure horror films, including stuff which wasn't actually available at cinema. You couldn't go to cinema to see something. So there ended up being something like about um, 72 titles, which um, is generally agreed on, which were the video nasties. 39 of them were prosecuted, and 33 were managed to get through. Uh, it's a very diverse list, mostly exploitation films, but it ranges from the most innocuous kind of film, something like Frozen Scream right through to something which is a little bit more understandable for being a bit hysterical, something like Cannibal Holocaust.
0: When these films were classified as nasties, from my mm-hmm. understanding of having seen many a documentary, and I know Alex has as well, these were these were illegal. I mean, basically, you could get hardcore pornography easier than you could get the Evil Dead, correct? <laughs> uh,
1: the situation with the video cassettes at the time was that they were not subject to censorship, uh, and this was the big part of the deal. But that, that, why there was such a fuss about this thing? Because they were allowed to avoid the BBFC; they didn't have to go for any kind of censorship process. And hence you got all this kind of stuff coming out, and it included hardcore pornography and all that kind of stuff. Although none of that actually made the Video Nasties list, it was only video, it was only really horror that made it onto the Video Nasties list. None of the cassettes had to go through any kind of censorship, and there was no it, it was a loophole. These things fell through. Films and stuff didn't um, at the cinema had to go through the BBFC or they had to go through local councils to be able to be allowed because the video cassettes weren't didn't have to go through any of the checks and balances of the sensor. It was pretty much anything goes. And in fact, you know, a lot of the companies actually sort of made a big deal about the fact that theirs were uncut.
0: This was not just like a few people throwing up a fit in the UK, right? This was... This was coming down from Margaret Thatcher. This was coming down from a woman named Mary Whitehouse, who I've seen many interviews with, who admits in a brilliant move she's never even seen a nasty, but she knows how bad they are, correct?
1: Yeah, that's certainly one of of the big quotes. Uh, Mary Whitehouse was quite famous for trying to avoid watching most of these things that she would find offensive. Her main interest originally was kind of in the BBC, and she was turned on to the video nasties by virtue of a rather cynical little marketing move by a company called Go Video who released Cannibal Holocaust, who thought it was going to be a great idea to whip up a bit of controversy and therefore free publicity by sending her a copy of the tape with a fake letter of complaint. So,
0: (laughs) On a certain level, it is brilliant, and on another level, it's shooting yourself in the foot. I can see that. Snuff did the same when in
1: America with the marketing over there. They ended up, um, I think they invited a bunch of feminists to come and picket the film. And of course, Snuff was one of the films which ended up on the uh, video nasties list. Not surprisingly so either, because existing controversy that was whipped up by the people that were trying to sell the film sort of shot itself in the foot, really. So they never really stuck a chance.
0: Well, I'm going to read the entire nasties list mm-hmm. just so so people can get an idea of some of these films deserved to be on this list. Some of them absolutely... I, I go, what? We've got Absurd, The Beast, Axe, Bay of Blood, Blood Feast, Blood Rites, Bloody Moon, The Burning, Cannibal Apocalypse, Cannibal Ferox, Cannibal Holocaust, The Cannibal Man, Devil Hunter, Don't Go in the Woods, The Driller Killer, Evil Speak, Exposé, Faces of Death, Fight for Your Life, Flesh for Frankenstein, Forest of Fear, House by the Cemetery, House on the Edge of the Park, I Spit on Your Grave, Island of Death, The Beast in Heat, The Werewolf and the Yeti, Last House on the Left, Gestapo's Last Orgy, Love Camp 7, Mardi Gras Massacre, Night of the Bloody Apes, Night of the Demon, Nightmares in a Damaged Brain, Snuff, SS Experiment Camp, Tenebrae, Madhouse, and Zombie Flesh Eaters. Of those, how many have you actually seen? I know Alex and I have seen a good chunk of these, but there are titles on here even I haven't.
1: I've seen all. Th- I've seen all 72. Uh, the 39 that were actually prosecuted, and the uh, the 33 that weren't, um, several times in fact because of the series I was writing. So yes, I've been. I've, I've sat through absolutely every one of them.
2: I've seen maybe about half of them.
0: Do you agree that let's say the majority of the 39 I just read? deserve to be on the prosecuted list or you could see why they were prosecuted or do you think it's just absolute bollocks to use a term Glenn will understand <laughs> that that these were even put on the list
1: probably about half a dozen of them which you could look at maybe a few more you could look at and go um yeah i can see why people had a problem with that and that would be a cannibal Ferox, cannibal holocaust the nazi films particularly striking because people would look at it and go, that's incredibly bad taste. But for the most part, um, most of them are fairly innocuous by today's standards. But I, if, if you kind of look at them in terms of what we had at the time and what they were like in comparison to everything we actually had available at the time, it makes it a little more bit more understandable. But even so, you know, uh, don't Get near the park is such a ridiculous film. <laughs> that it's amazing that anybody was offended by that, to be quite honest.
2: Basically the same answer. Some, yeah, I can definitely see them on there. Some, I'd like, okay, why is that
0: there? I agree that the Nazi films, the cannibal films, definitely, maybe I Spit on Your Grave, Flesh for Frankenstein, but I really don't see, like, the burning. I really yeah, the- don't see why the burning was considered so offensive, or Evil Speak. Evil Speak was released with almost three and a half minutes cut out of it. And I'm going, really? I mean, it's not that graphic. No, no. I I think, to be
1: honest, I think with something like Evil Speak, it was probably more the darker tone of the climax is something which, if you're not used to it, was probably a little bit difficult because you have that mix of the Satanism and all that kind of stuff going on. And I think the people that complained about that particular film were probably a bit sensitive to that end of it. When you look at it shot for shot, there's certainly – not a heck of a lot in it which is particularly difficult but it's certainly nothing in comparison to something like cannibal holocaust
0: well and then we go into 33 films that were originally considered (laughs) nasties and taken to court proceedings that were eventually found not guilty and these are the beyond the boogeyman cannibal terror contamination or to us americans alien contamination dead and buried delirium Don't Go in the House, Don't Go Near the Park, Death Trap, The Evil Dead, Don't Look in the Basement, Frozen Scream, The Fun House, Zombie Creeping Flesh, Human Experiments, I Miss You Hugs and Kisses, The Man from Deep River, Inferno, Killer Nun, Late Night Trains, The Living Dead, The Mountain of the Cannibal God, Terror Eyes, Nightmare Maker, Possession, Pranks, Revenge of the Boogeyman, The Slayer, The Toolbox Murders, Unhinged, visiting hours the witch who came from the sea and women behind bars the ones that they brought up were a few of the the ones on the prosecuted list like ss experiment camp zombie flesh eaters or zombie or i spit on your grave but a lot of them like to point out evil dead well, oh yeah. that's the most popular well yeah okay. it's probably the most recognizable title to even your, your layman i believe uh,
1: the evil dead was um certainly considered to be the number one nasties mary whitehouse herself coined that um, as the as, as being the number one nasty and it had an awful lot of problems and the bbfc when they first got it james Furman was who was the uh, the president then was actually called in to help with the examination which is only really done with the more controversial titles now he re- kind of recalls that they actually quite enjoyed it it was him and another male examiner actually had a really good time watching this thing And they were quite happy to sort of just go ahead and release it more or less. And then they basically said that, well, this female examiner had um, certain issues with the film. So they kind of went, oh, hang on. Maybe we need to look at this again. So with
0: that in mind, they went back and cut a few bits and pieces out of it. I have a quote from Mary Whitehouse where she says she hasn't seen these and she actually craps all over the idea that adults should even be able to see these just on the notion that if you enjoy movies like The Evil Dead then you're not truly a mature adult and you shouldn't have the right to see this. Just take a listen.
2: You know, people who say, but why shouldn't adults be able to see this kind of thing in their own home? I'm half tempted to say that people who make that kind of demand knowing that children are likely to see it aren't really themselves very mature.
0: Was this the prevailing mindset, Glenn, of these people that, because I, I noticed something in this list, and I'm sure the listeners have as well. These are all pure exploitation or horror titles. You're not seeing a death wish. You're not seeing movies like that that are just as graphic, but are not considered either Nazi exploitation or horror. Is that something they conspicuously set out to do, you think, that to just pick on horror films? Or was that just a coincidence? I
1: think it was because horror films were one of the things which were, they were absolutely not used to. Most of these people that were complaining about these films were of the generation that were brought up with Hammer Horror at worst. So when these films came out, it was something completely alien to them. Much like we've got today with films like Grotesque and, um, and the likes, Murder Set Pieces, people just are not used to those kind of films, so they're instantly turned off of them. People that were complaining about these films were absolutely not horror film fans, you know, so they they saw these things coming out, and they had a real massive difficulty understanding that anybody would like to watch these things. And there was, on many occasions, if you look through any of the articles in the newspapers and stuff of the time, it's very often stated that anybody who likes this stuff or anybody that sells this stuff produces this stuff are literally akin to being pedophile rapist murderers i actually
0: mm-hmm. have some of those headlines we must protect our children now underline yeah, yeah. buys the... who buy porn with your dinner money fury over the video rapist mm-hmm. rape of our children's minds yeah and video sadism now yeah myths that <laughs> poison the minds of british blacks a mother's anguish Cruel Movies fan Hacks 4 to Death, A Video mm. nasty Killer, Video they, Rapist um, Was Set Free on Bail, Hooking of the Video Junkies. I mean, these just go on and on. It, s- it seems like you guys had Fox News before we did.
1: Oh, certainly. <laughs> it was mostly
0: the Daily Mail. But the
1: Express kind of kicked it off as some of the earliest articles with the Daily Express, and they were really quite nasty. Um, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> the Daily Mail basically took over the the outrage they were releasing articles on this stuff literally every few days there was a big splash in their newspapers if it wasn't front page it'd be like a double page spread somewhere Uh, and it's quite incredible the kind of language that they were using and they were literally equating crimes there was a, a few notable murders that had happened around the time and the general get-out clause for most of these criminals was, oh, I watched these horror films and then went and done this thing. And the newspapers pretty much ignored the fact that these people were, generally speaking, either formerly criminals anyway. You know, they've been burgling and robbing and
0: – It uh, sounds like it's a lot of what happened here in America with the horror comics of the 1950s the, mm-hmm. w- when Frederick Wortham quoted, well, all the kids that are juvenile delinquents like to read Tales from the Crypt. It's got to be those from the Crips' fault that they're juvenile delinquents and not the other way around.
1: Yeah, it's a very common equation. It's it's the causation effect, really, isn't it? And, and this this kind of stuff was was constantly sort of thrown uh, thrown out there as being the the reason. You know, this this person who's been burgling, burglaring burgling and assaulting people and taking drugs, they just happen to watch video nasties and then they 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 killed someone. But it's the video nasties that caused the problem. And it's it's absolute ridiculous association just because these people watch these films that made them like that rather than because they're like that they watch the films
0: can you imagine if we had had something like that in the 80s whether the the video boom would have actually taken off the way it did i can almost imagine
2: i mean i'm glad we didn't but there even today there's still a bit of stigma against people that watch a lot of horror or gore films like in the reported in the papers but there's an unspoken stigma there
0: but see, okay, I'm getting this picture from you, Glenn, and now uh, tell me how accurate I am, of, like, drug dealers, but, you know, they open up their jacket and they've got I Spit on Your Grave and Evil Dead and, man, I need my fix. you, you, you got the new Raimi, man? Do you got the new Raimi? And You know, back alley deals and things like that. That's what I'm picturing. Was it like that or was it just kind of a, a publicity thing? Well, certainly the newspapers would, they, they, they would present it as if,
1: These things were were drugs because the titles, the headlines and the likes were children hooked on video violence. And there's this constant reference to anybody who watched this stuff being in some way physically and mentally sullied by just the mere presence of these things in people's homes. Before the Video Recordings Act actually came through, all these cassettes were essentially, you know, not covered by any kind of censorship. So they were, I'd struggle to say legal because a lot of them were being prosecuted underneath the Obscene Publications Act. There wasn't any law for these things, to stop these things being out. So you could go into shops and you could pick these things up. I remember walking down the street and looking in the window of a living room that was turned into a video store and seeing the Driller Killer poster. So this, this stuff was sort of out there. So it didn't feel quite like it was, as somebody who would go out and rent, it didn't really feel like it was something which was particularly dirty or kind of seedy, but the way that the newspapers would present it, certainly they would would try to equate it to being um, like drugs and a, a criminal activity. And the only people that were making it a criminal activity was the campaigners, really.
0: Of which I think they were very ignorant. Just take a listen to this clip. If anyone can stand up and defend the sort of horrific scenes
1: that I have had to see and other members of Parliament have had to see... I believe they're living in a different world to that world that I live in. I believe that uh, research is taking place, and it will show that these films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. It goes far too far.
0: Is he trying to be funny, thinking that the video nasties will make dogs somehow worse, or... Does he really believe it? Because I, I obviously I don't know this person like I would an American politician, Glenn. I need you to translate, just what the f*** was he talking about?
1: <laughs> it was probably one of the most bloody stupid quotes that was actually given out during the video in our season. That includes pretty much everything that Mary Whitehouse said. I kind of think he just got a bit lost for words when he was doing that interview, and just it, it was just a brain fart, really. However, general climate was that people were going to be directly affected by these things. There was this sort of mysterious force that these cassettes seemed to carry that, that sullied anything that came within range of its visual output. When you look at some of the, the rhetoric that was going on in the newspapers, certainly they, they they were saying stuff which was equally outrageous. He just kind of got caught on camera doing it.
2: I laughed at
0: it. I was like, What? Does he really believe that? Because he's he's sincere. Guys, go back and listen to that clip. He's sincere when he says it. He doesn't seem to be joking. No,
1: and that's the thing. Uh, most of the people who were against the video nasties, or what the pro-censorship lobby were, very passionate about this thing. And I think Graham Bright was very genuine about his intentions in that regard. I think he was well-intentioned. I think he was completely wrong. I don't think he was being as cynical as certainly Margaret
0: Thatcher was for instance. Take a listen to this clip of Margaret Thatcher.
2: We shall stay true to our principles and to pride in our country. Generosity, duty, selflessness, perseverance. You might almost call them Victorian
0: values. Is that what you were talking about? Oh, absolutely. There was a big push
1: with the government to tackle crime, basically, law and order. Law and order was the big issue in the early 80s with the with the government. They were struggling. There was riots going on. There was strikes going on. There was all sorts of political unrest. And as a consequence, the the conservatives weren't looking too good. So the video, Nasty Scare, basically sort of stemmed out of this situation where they wanted to kind of feel like they were in some kind of control, that, that, that something was being done. It was a demonstrable end to what they were doing. It, it was a straw man essentially they could set this thing up try to make themselves look good and that was the main crux of the matter as for as far as the more cynical people were when you look at someone like mary whitehouse she actually believed what she was saying and in that respect i can kind of respect her
0: she doesn't come across fake she comes across genuine which actually makes her a little scarier i think
1: oh to some degree definitely uh she was always very passionate about that kind of stuff um she's very narrow-minded in respect that she had a Evangelical goggles on you had this problem with this person who was very very genuine and that actually in some ways made her a much more dangerous adversary um, a much more powerful person in in some respects because she had the passion to keep on going when even politically speaking she would probably have uh, benefited from being quiet
0: when they started going into the shops and taking all these titles did nobody think that all that would do is open the bootleg market up this was one of the things that they'd actually talked about when they were talking about
1: extending the video back to pornography, Graham Bright was worried that he would open up a bootleg market for pornography. But he seemed to not really kind of equate that kind of situation to the video nasties either. So what he was thinking, I, I, I'm not entirely sure. They didn't seem to take that into regard or either that or they just didn't care. I kind of think probably the latter I think they expected there would be a bootleg market, but they wanted to do something which was demonstrable, regardless of whether we'd have a bootleg market or not. And, of course, now most of the nasties are collector's items.
0: Was there a big bootleg market? I mean, like, did you did you yourself ever know anybody who had, like, a bootleg of Cannibal Ferox? Yeah, there was there
1: was copies going around, but not as much as you would imagine, because um, there were still original copies going around anyway. Because the thing is, they all got waked off the shelves. They got sold from under the counters, so these genuine copies were going around. The first nasties that I got to see were both originals. I spent on your grave and uh, Cannibal Apocalypse, so I distinctly remember them being original copies. Um, and this was after the VRA, when they were supposed to be banned. So,
0: Did you guys ever go out of country? Did you guys ever import the tapes from us? if they were easier to get an NTSC Evil Dead, say, than find one of the -the under-the-table nasties? Well, certainly some people would,
1: um, would import. It wasn't as easy as you would imagine, because to do so, obviously, it would have gone through magazines and stuff. We didn't have the internet back then for doing that. That was a fairly major hurdle. So it was a reasonably effective ban, and most of the copies that were going around were pirated copies or... Old rental copies that had been saved from destruction.
0: Okay, Glenn, give us a tonal feeling of what it was like in the Nazis era of walking into a video store or just trying to watch a movie. Was it something like you'd see out of a World War II Nazi picture? I mean, like you know, like the Jews having to hide all their jewelry and stuff, or was was it like a prevailing fear? Or was it just sort of like that open secret that everybody knows and nobody talks about?
1: <laughs> well, most um, most video stores that I went into, pretty respectable places, generally speaking, you would go in there and, bearing in mind it was a big novelty, so it was like a it was like a treasure trove of these wonderful films and really bad films as well that you could just sort of have a wander around and pick these brilliant VHS sets up and have a look at. But at the time, there were stuff like uh, Driller Killer, for instance, was just there on the shelf. You know, it was there if you wanted it. You weren't weren't kind of forced to have it or anything. Um, and most of the video shop owners that I knew of were pretty responsible with how these things went out. So, I mean, it didn't really feel seedy. I know this is kind of probably how it should have. If you you believed a lot of the uh, rhetoric which was coming from the likes of Mary Whitehouse and the Daily Mail and the government, I I think all that kind of end of it was sort of watered down by the fact that it was such a novelty to have this stuff available because it was really the first time in this country that you were able to choose your films. Other than that, you'd go to the cinema or wait years and years for it to come out on the telly.
0: Is there sort of a double standard that you guys can show tits and ass on TV, but you can't show somebody getting stabbed in the ankle with a pencil?
1: (laughs) Well, the TV at the time wasn't really quite that racy. I mean, you had Benny Hill and all that kind of stuff. So you you got close to a bit of TNA on on the telly, but it was never really explicit, despite what the likes of Mary Whitehouse might have said. It, It just wasn't that strong that's the thing uh, there's a massive difference between the u.s market and uh, the european market the european market tends to not like the violence but it's much more comfortable with sex and nudity it strikes me as a very strange difference between the u.s and and europe
0: yeah i've noticed that weird dichotomy there too that in, in america you can blow a guy's head off but you can't blow a guy on tv and it's just the opposite for you guys you guys censor all the all the bone breaks out of Seagal movies, but you leave in the sex scenes. I, that just boggles my mind with the differences between our two cultures there. Yeah.
1: In some respects, I kind of like it um, um, the way we've got it um, around. In, in some respects, I think that's that's a reasonable way around. However, I mean, I, I, well, I'm well, i not convinced by the, the whole kind of idea that violence in films and stuff is particularly influential. You know, I mean, I, I've watched so many of these films, I watched all the video nasties. Like I've, like I've said, I certainly haven't run down the street and wanted to kill anyone or felt any kind of particular violent urges because of that.
0: So, right, which which also comes brings up that other Mary Whitehouse quote. Why can't adults just see this? She's like, well, what if some crazy person who all they need is for this to push them over the edge isn't it better to just keep last house on on the left away from everybody if it'll (laughs) save one life just take a listen to this quote
2: if you get you know somebody who's on a loose end and he's spent the night before having a good you know watch of good violence as he might call it and so on he might go and try it out for himself because there's nothing better to do but uh It all has to do with the responsibility we all have for the society in which we live and which
0: we're bringing up the children, really. Is that not just real ass-backwards thinking? I mean, was that the way your government was or was that just Mary Whitehouse in that type of thinking, Glenn?
1: It was certainly the conservative press's attitude that you know people will watch this and be physically corrupted by it. Mary Whitehouse is a big proponent for this, that um, if anyone was up there wits end then they would go off and kill someone after watching these things and indeed a few of the cases that actually happened um kenneth smart i think it was for instance complained that he'd watched these films and that drove him over the edge despite the fact that you know i mean there was all sorts of history with this particular fella and i was kind of it it sort of reminds me of a little apocryphal i guess but there was a story about a young boy who um absolutely obsessed with the lion king absolutely obsessed with it from what i from what i understand and he ended up killing himself because he couldn't be simba now i i can't quote where that's from i read it somewhere a long time ago so i don't know how accurate it is this is the point is that if you are that far predisposed to doing something you will find some sort of inspiration one in whatever you're watching no matter how innocuous so i don't think it's possible to to water popular culture down to a point where you can make it absolutely safe. And I think it's ridiculous to sort of say, well, these films inspire. No, not really. Most of the times when they say it was this film or that film or the other film that caused this, they invariably bear very little resemblance to the actual crime. And usually with the people that's committed the crime, you find something else in the background, which is probably much more responsible for how they are.
0: Right. It, over here, do you remember the Judas Priest double suicide in the 90s from America? Oh, yeah. It's the, these two kids get drunk, get high. They both had emotional problems. They both had drug and alcohol addictions, and they went and decided to make a suicide pact and blow their faces off with shotguns. The fact that they also were Judas Priest fans, clearly the drugs didn't do it. Clearly the alcohol didn't make them do it clearly their mental problems didn't make them do it clearly their home life didn't make them do it they listened to Judas priest so that's why they did it that that it's it sounds like it's kind of the same bullshit really yeah
1: it's sort of a projection of an of a simple answer onto a complicated problem behind an awful lot of censorship you know even today there's this desire to try and find a simple problem it's the films that have watched it's the music that they listen to With the people that are trying, struggling to understand, and understandably, they want answers, it's a lot easier to point to something as simple as uh, it's this record that uh, told them to do it, it's this film that inspired them to do it, than is to go, well, there was this element of their life, this element of society which let them down, trying to work out the complicated issues and try to work out solutions to those issues, which might actually do something is a lot harder it's a lot more complicated it's a lot more long-term commitment than trying to basically get rid of something that they liked because you think that's what caused it
0: well speaking of getting rid of how did this all die down i know it's been kicking up again in the last few years but let's just stick with the original video nasties for right now Mm -hmm. how how did that all die down or did it just kind of peter out
1: The Video Recordings Act was passed in 1984. It was actually in 1983, sorry, it's actually enacted in 1984. So, between the time where it was actually enacted and where it passed through Parliament and then it was enacted in 1984, all that time, the stories actually gained momentum. There was a lot of commentary in in the newspapers about the whole video Nasty Scary. It was just absolutely dense with newsprint um, during that time. And eventually, it sort of around about 1985, things started to peter off. And then it just kind of disappeared really slowly. Reared its head again in, in the mid 90s, funny enough, with a debacle which was very, very similar. Wasn't it Child's Play 3? That was right, with James Bolger. And the whole Video Nasties scare was basically kicked into action again.
0: Where was the first. I mean, Glenn, you grew up with, with hearing about the Nasties and whatnot. Alex, when did you first hear about this? Because you and I being foreigners to this, outright foreign to it, I remember first reading about this in, I believe it was an issue of Fangoria or Gore Zone in the late 80s. They had a big, big expose on the video Nasties. So I remember being exposed to it then. That was the first time I heard about it. How did you stumble across it, Alex? I didn't
2: come across the term or the list of movies until like, late 90s when I was in film school and people discussed them. Before then, they were just movies that were out there that existed. I mean, I'd seen Evil Dead a half a billion times before then. Never knew that it had been banned somewhere.
0: Glenn, does that surprise you at all, that this didn't make American shores or American news as much? Or do you think that it was just kind of an internal British matter and it should have just stayed in the UK?
1: I think originally, um, as it was happening, it was kind of viewed as being a very quaint English thing. You know, it was uh, oh, look at them being very prudish, particularly considering the nature of the films um, that, you know, in America, it was a lot more commonplace to have films of this nature. So looking over at us and uh, what was going on, it was probably like, well, they're just being a bit silly. What is interesting is actually that um, Sweden had a very similar affair a couple of years before we did. And it's incredibly similar. Um, A lot of the same titles were brought up. Yeah, it's a curiously British phenomenon particularly in the way it was handled. But the thing is, it's also at, at through time because the, um, the issues and all the information has become a lot more out there. It's, it's a lot more available. People sort of look at it now as being a, a textbook example of a censorship scare. And it is the archetypal one now. So if you, if you want to look at censorship, the video Nasty Scare is an absolute casebook of how to whip up controversy which results in in censorship
0: well and speaking of that censorship all the nasties still have not made it to your shores correctly and i'm mm-hmm. talking about like on dvd or even laserdisc in the mid to late 90s what is it about you guys finally getting the nasties because I, I saw somewhere on amazon there was an called like the best of the band or something like that
1: there's box of the band
0: box of the band uh, which Sorry. came
1: into yeah that came in that came in two
0: editions I think it's, it's
1: partly because um, a few of the titles that, that appeared on uh, Boxer Band, which was a Anchor Bay edition, it's a, a Anchor Bay release, particularly good at putting these packages together, at least they were at the time. A, a few of those titles had not been available before then, so they sort of put them together and made them into a themed box set, which was quite a good way to go. But the Video Nasties have always sort of been pretty decent currency in this country because people... Been interested in, in collecting them?
0: Th- then I'm going to interrupt you and ask, how many do you personally own original VHSs for? <laughs> like, do you have all 39 prosecuted titles? I have I have all of them in one form or another. Uh, I'm talking about just originals right now on VHS. Originals, I mean
1: originals. It's I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I have about half a dozen of the um, original VHSs, probably of the of the video nasties. When I first started really kind of looking at them, I just went around and tried to find them in whatever format I could actually find them in. I've got more of the Section 3 stuff, actually, than I have got the video nasties, but I'm kind of working on that. The,
0: the, the Section 3 stuff, for those that don't know, is just a supplementary list of people of titles that they said, we'd like to prosecute these extra 80 titles, but then I guess either the whole scare died down or it just lost steam. And a lot of these are ones like Christmas Evil, there is, what, no gore whatsoever in that? <laughs> you know, Friday the 13th Part 2, Hell Prison, mm. uh, In yep. Seminoid. I mean, yep. you know, some of these titles are just so ridiculous that you go, there's nothing objectionable about the Section 3 titles. <laughs> there is,
1: um, actually, it's a funny thing with the Section 3 li- list is that there are a few titles on there which are way worse than most of the prosecuted ones, with the exception of the the top, I don't know, half dozen or whatever, Cannibal Ferox and Cannibal Holocaust, there's a few of the titles on the Section 3 that you sort of look at and you go, well, how did they not become nasties? Especially in, in place of um, stuff like Delirium or, or Bloody Moon or The Burning, you know. Yeah, it's a very disparate list. All of them are the Section 3, the prosecuted and non-prosecuted. It was not really something that was particularly well thought out. It was kind of a scrabble, basically, for... What can we get off of the shelves? Have those famous examples of the best little whorehouse in Texas and the big red one, which were also kind of seized. You sort of look at it and you go, they, they clearly weren't very sure about what it was they were actually trying to pick up.
0: Well, and I, I know you guys had a particular issue with Texas Chainsaw Massacre and just Chainsaw, because Fred Olin Ray tells a story that when he released Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, the British distributor would not let him use the word chainsaw. He said they legally couldn't do it. So when he had to release it, it was Hollywood, and then they had a picture of a chainsaw, hookers. So he said officially the title in England was Hollywood Picture of a Chainsaw, hookers.
1: <laughs> yeah, there were certain things that they, they really didn't like. The BBFC have had a long-standing problem with uh, weapons which are Easy to make for one thing, chain sticks. Um, Should I bring
0: up course. the teenage hero, teenage mutant hero turtles? Absolutely. Teenage
1: mutant ninja turtles. Problem with uh, with that, it was with the live the live action film, the original. And of course, you have a certain selection of weaponry in there, which was more or less banned by the BBFC, particularly nunchucks. There's at least one of the ninja turtles which you were not allowed to see most of the time, and they had to tone it down in the. Sequels, as far as I was aware, because they just couldn't get a decent release in Britain.
0: You guys even changed the title from Ninja to Hero for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, because they didn't like the association with the weaponry, basically.
0: Evil
2: Shredder attacks These turtle boys Don't come to us like Teenage Mutant Heroes are-
0: That's the one that strikes me as you guys being prissy and prudish.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's more that the BBFC had um, a list of things which they really didn't like. And if you tried to approach it, it was difficult. With a kids film in particular, they they just didn't want to take any chances. They they would just go, no, nope, you're not allowed that. You're not allowed that. You're not allowed that. They didn't even argue about it. I mean, James Furman was very difficult when it came to certain things.
0: He just wouldn't cross
1: certain lines. In other respects, he was very li- uh, very liberal. But when it came to violence, he was very, very conservative.
0: Tell us a little bit about the modern Nasties. I know they haven't been classified as like the video Nasties, Volume 2 or something. But you guys have had a lot of issues lately with, with a bunch of films like Human <coughs> Centipede 2 and Grotesque and some other films like that. Can you tell us a little bit about the new fervor on DVD of more recent films?
1: Yeah, it's, it's more of the same, basically. You get a lot of the same sort of language of this is unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this before. Exactly the same kind of language which was applied to the video nasties are being applied to films like Murder Set Pieces and Grotesque and The Human Centipede 2 and Antichrist and um, a whole bunch of films. And the Daily Mail is once again kind of at the fore of complaining about these films. They... um, Particularly Antichrist was one of the big ones. They really, really had to go at, at that and, and review. And I say review in air quotes by Christopher Hart opened up literally with with. A, and I'm going to paraphrase here because I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, you don't need to see Antichrist to know how bad it is. I've not seen this film and neither will I. And then he continues to review the film that he has not and will not see.
0: Well, and then I know you guys had a big issue because I've got a I got a documentary I bootlegged cronenberg's crash you guys had a huge problem with too didn't you
1: oh absolutely if i remember rightly actually got an uncut release and this is one of the things the bbfc got an awful lot of flack for that mostly from from the daily mail funny enough mostly from a guy called chris tukey who's the same guy that's complaining about human centipede too he seems to have this bit of an axe to grind which is a bit amusing because he's he's constantly going on about crashing these uh, stuff like The Human Centipede, too. It's like Nothing's been the same since 1996. This guy does have a real axe to grind in this because he basically lost a very prestigious position because of his stance on, on Crash.
0: Well, yeah, and, he's, he seems so. completely impartial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you guys ever got this commercial or not. I don't know if this was an American one or an international commercial, but since Zombie Flesh Eaters was one of the seized titles from you guys, and it has the famous scene of the zombie fighting the shark... We got that two or three years ago in a computer commercial. The people sitting around in a college dorm were watching that scene. Did you guys ever get that ad? Because I think that would be funny. They tried to ban that movie, but they wouldn't ban the commercial that uses clips from that movie.
1: (laughs) I can't say as I can remember the commercial. but um, The thing is, a lot lot of the Nazis have appeared in little snippets here and there, and certainly in references ever since they, they were banned, basically. So,
0: uh, I remember the Young Ones episode, where, where, but do you remember the Young Ones <coughs> episode where, where yep. they went to rent a nasty? Yep. Your video is now ready for use.
1: Insert cassette. Rewind to beginning of tape. And press play. Happy viewing. Ha ha ha! They wouldn't say that if they knew what video we've got. <laughs> right. Michael and I are going to indulge in an all-night orgy of sex and violence. What, <laughs> in the drawing room? Yeah, first we're going to have sex with the headless
0: corpse of the virgin
1: astronaut. Let <laughs> the carpet get awfully sticky.
0: It's a video nasty! And then they ended up fighting a, a, like a Polish vampire for no reason.
1: <laughs> the nasty that they were looking at was Nightmare Maker. But uh yeah that was kind of at the height of of the nasty scare and you know people were kind of it, it was part of popular culture even then it made it into you know several pop and rock songs people were writing these lyrics about this kind of stuff
0: I don't think it would be unfair for all three of us to say that most of the movies on the nasty's list aren't really all that well made they don't have very realistic gore is it kind of ironic that people would go out of their way to rent a nasty and then find that it's just a terrible goddamn movie
2: <laughs> I, I, I like anthropophagus.
0: Anthropophagus. I don't. So I mean, but but Glenn, is that <laughs> did, did people go through that that you go you go uh, totally out of your way to to find a copy of Don't Go Near the Park and then find out this movie's fucking boring?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly you know. I mean, you got a film like Blood Rights, which is a bizarrely bad film. Even worse, something I like Frozen Scream, which is my second all-time worst film. Yeah, certainly people would kind of look at these things and go, oh, wow, I've got to see that because it's banned. And then watch it and go, that was absolutely bloody terrible.
0: Yeah, because that's the thing I found ironic is let's set aside the cannibal movies, which tended to have pretty good effects. mm -hmm. A whole lot of your seized list are movies that would hardly be called realistic in any way, (laughs) like Blood (laughs) Feast or, or Alien Contamination. That's Mm got some of the most fake gore I've ever seen. But this is the point. I mean, the the people that were banning these things
1: didn't know what they were actually banning. Um, They had no idea. They absolutely had no idea. And that's why the the list is, like I say, so disparate. It's all over the place. There's some things which contain stuff which is legitimately potentially upsetting. And there's other stuff which is so innocuous that, you know, E.T.'s probably more offensive.
0: But see, here's the other thing I noticed about that list, Glenn. They're all low budget or independent films. I don't notice any 20th Century Fox movies on there or Paramount produced movies or Warner Brothers films. Was that something con- consciously done? Because like yeah. over over here when they try to ban music, they'd want to ban Madonna and Prince and Ozzy Osbourne, but, but they're, they're major never- labels, so they'd go after Jello Biafra. They'd go after Exodus, they'd go after Slayer instead.
1: I don't think it was. It was more to do with the fact that um, the video scene at the time was dominated by titles that were of a low-budget nature. Um, Most of the major studios weren't releasing stuff um, in the early days of video. It took them a long time to really jump onto that bandwagon. um, Piracy and all that kind of stuff. So all the decent films, I say decent films, all your mainstream films, were few and far between. So these films were the lion's share of what was out there. And of course the particular attraction of video was because it wasn't censored that you could get these uncut films. And and let's not forget some of these films did actually get theatrical releases. Yeah. It it was, it was more the case that, yeah, there were low budget and all that kind of stuff. That's what the video distributors could get their hands on. Um, so it was, it was the majority of what was on the shelves.
0: Let's say alien or death wish or any of these major studio films had been available on video in the nasties era do you Mm. think they would have gone after someone like 20th century fox that could fight back
1: yeah dead and buried
0: the studios would have fought back more or or did the studios basically lay down at least or i don't know how the distribution works i know in a lot of cases the nasties had a totally different distributor in for you guys than we did so i don't know if like fox even cared whether the british distributor got busted or not I'm not entirely sure. I mean, there wasn't too many of the
1: big names that actually went down. Um, Dead and Buried was a major release. Big studio behind it. So there was, uh, there was that, which is one example of a, of a big studio being um, hit. Evil Speak was not a smaller film as most of the other films either. And that's one of the ones that got prosecuted. So there was a few examples of uh, studio stuff being caught up in this. Uh, Visiting Hours, is another one. Yeah, was it, was it specifically because they were low-budget and fringe titles? No, I think it, it was more that they sort of just looked at these things and went, this is obviously horror. It was more about the genre than it was about anything else.
0: In the modern era, with something like Grotesque, the, the Asian film that's been outright banned in your country, mm-hmm. uh, from, from an article I've read, they said it's illegal to even import it. Do you guys just import the the dvds from the u.s or asia or wherever you can get them for oh, things absolutely. not commercially available because with, with region free dvd players i don't see why it's even an issue at this point no no
1: absolutely i mean um with uh, certainly with some of the nasties and, and these films of of that nature like grotesque you can um get them through amazon or, or wherever generally speaking you won't have a problem customs are more bothered with big shipments than they are small shipments and generally speaking if they see something you'll just get a letter saying you're not getting your item so there's not generally speaking a massive kickback from trying to get hold of these films unless it is demonstrably obscene and you know i mean if you're trying to get in some shall we say exotic pornography then you might have a real problem but um, generally with films that have been released by studios and stuff not so much it's Something that you need to look at, you need to learn, you need to remember the circumstances of each and every one of these kind of scares because it repeats itself. It happens again and again and again. It's happening again at the moment in this country with films like Antichrist and, and Grotesque and the likes. It happened in the 90s with films like um, um, Charles Play Free. It's a secular thing, basically. It comes around every so often. And every time they bring up these arguments, it's always the same. So you need to be able to remember and demonstrate that this stuff has happened before. We're all going to be okay. We really are. And fight back against unreasonable censorship.
0: Where can people find you if they want to see your reviews of The Nasties?
1: I'm on uh, YouTube, LampyMan101. Or if you just Google The Nasties Review, I'm kind of all over the place. So I'm nice and easy to find.
0: All right, Swade didn't get to talk very much. Alex? (coughs) Yes. What are your thoughts on the nasties? Like I said you and I are the you and I are the foreigners in this one
2: Well, my thoughts as far as censorship in general go is that censorship should be something done at home, not by the government really. So that, basically, so I,
0: basically even though you named your daughter after a vampire, you wouldn't let I her didn't. watch a vampire movie. Your daughter's name is Lily. that's a vampire name.
2: Yeah it's basically every single one of those video nasties, I wouldn't let my daughter watch them, but I don't care if anybody else in the world lets their kids watch them.
1: See? No, it's about responsibility at the end of the day, um, you know, taking responsibility for your own um, and indeed your, your children's viewing. Um, that's pretty reasonable to me. I don't think um, it's ever needed for the government to keep stepping in and tell you how to look after your children.
2: You can find me at geekjuicemedia.com.
0: You can find me at 1201beyond.com. Email the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. Read my monthly column, my weekly column. You guys already know all this crap, but since Brad's not on this episode, you weren't listening anyway. Sorry, Glenn. <laughs> no problem.
2: They do. They listen. Uh...